formed by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us, Father, to be your faithful servants in the world, bringing your grace into many people's lives as we represent you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's so good to be with you. Uh, I've heard a lot about this church over many years. Uh, of course, I knew uh, Keith Ganser. He was my curate back in, uh, uh, in Vancouver. And um, I have known a lot about you and prayed for you over many years. It's great that you have this beautiful chapel here to meet in as well. What a great spot to meet. And I, it looks to me like you're probably going to have to move somewhere else pretty soon. Um, you are, are filling this out very much. And uh, it is just uh, a wonderful thing to see what God is doing, as I said, in bringing Alan here and Katrina here as well. Um, this institution service <clears throat> has a Bible reading that's uh, usually done from the psalm that we did today, Psalm 133. It's a very short psalm. Um, and uh, that may mean it's a short sermon, but maybe not. But it's a very short uh, psalm, and I think it's chosen uh, because unity is the theme of it, and unity is so important in the life of the church, in your mission as a church, in what Alan will be about as well. In fact, uh, the rector of a church is meant to be a symbol of unity. Uh, the symbol of that God actually brings us together around the gospel that the rector is preaching. And the same with the bishop. The bishop is meant to be an instrument and a symbol of unity for the whole diocese because he is guarding the gospel, he is faithfully preaching the gospel, and he's pointing people continually to Jesus Christ in whom we have our unity. You can't have unity uh, just as a structural thing, like we've got to be united even though we're uh, different. It's the unity that's based in the reality of Jesus Christ as our Savior and the one who brings us into the family of God. We're, we're united in him and in his truth. And so that's why I think this is, uh, uh, this is done, Psalm 133 at these institution services. And I love that psalm. If you can turn to it in your Bible, it will be very, very helpful. Um, if you were to think of what is the great gift that you have as a Christian, as somebody who goes to church, I don't know what you'd think of. You'd think of all the different things that are good about being the church. Um, the first thing David thinks of, the thing that he is joyful about in this wonderful little psalm, the most valuable, valuable gift he talks about is the gift of unity. David would say that is the wonderful, precious gift of knowing God, is the unity of his people. And that's why Psalm 133 is so joyful. So if you look at the beginning of it, he writes, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And in the original, brothers meant men and women, boys and girls, all together. And that phrase, dwell in unity, means really together if you're going to really put it simply. It simply means, behold, how good and pleasant it is when God's people with all their differences in real life are really together. 
And this is what God's people sang. And do you know they sang that as they were going to the temple in Jerusalem, often in a fairly long pilgrimage that could take days to get there, that's when they were singing this hymn, journeying up to the temple from all the surrounding countryside. And I love they sang this because you can kind of imagine as they're traveling that there's lots of reasons not to really be together or to be joyful about that fact. Because there would be family tensions that inevitably boil over when you've got a big journey that you're working on here. Uh, there's nothing that tests family relationships like a long road trip. And that's what was happening here. Uh, there's the competing for places to stay and camp with all the others that are going up to Jerusalem as well. And then there's this, uh, uh, this pressure to find water and food and get that all set up for your, um, your uh, horses, the things that your, your donkeys that you're bringing with you, animals, and yourselves as well. All these can cause tensions. They can cause disunity and division. Um, but this is what's really helpful about this psalm. Real unity is not sameness of opinion. It doesn't mean that there's no conflict or that there's no tension in the relationship. It means that all of these people in this psalm have the same great purpose. They are all going to Jerusalem to worship God who comes from heaven to earth and meets them in this place. Their great purpose that they all have is to love God with all their heart, mind, and soul, and to love their neighbor as themselves. It's the great commandment. And that common purpose brings a commitment to each other through all differences. There's a perseverance that it brings when they, as they're going up to Jerusalem, are tempted to be disunited, you know, to pull away from each other, to separate. And I think that this, this psalm speaks to you and me this morning as you're coming to church as well, because there's lots of reasons that you can have for not being enthusiastic about coming to this gathering of God's people. You know, uh, maybe you woke up late this morning and you were rushing here. There was stress. Uh, maybe your parents made you come. Maybe you were stressed rushing here and your children were not cooperating with you. Uh, and there's temptation is that I could have just relaxed over a cup of coffee this morning, Sunday morning. You may be going through hard times and you don't want to face people. I've experienced this as well. You're busy. You have chronic pain. I'm going to be sitting in a chair listening to a guy preaching on Psalm 133 for a while. Um, perhaps there's been a disagreement or an irritation with somebody in the church. There's lots of reasons to keep you away from gathering, from really being together, as this psalm was talking about. So in one way, it's amazing that we're all here today, but God says in this Psalm 133 that it is very, very worth it. That this gathering and all the small gatherings of God's people, Bible studies, small groups, prayer groups, times when you're serving together, all of those groups physically express a oneness that only God can give. It expresses that unity. It's a precious gift from above. 
And uh, it is precious, I think, because the heart of the gospel is our unity with the Lord Jesus. We have died with him. We rise with him. We are united to him together. And that is why, that is the heart of the gospel. That's why this idea of unity is so important in the Bible to David. And I want you to notice the action word that's repeated three times in this little song. It says, like oil that runs down the beard, you can see there. Or, it, and then it goes on to say, it runs down to the collar. And then the psalm goes on to say, it's like the dew of Hebron that falls, it's the same word running down, on Mount Zion. And so it's really showing us that unity is a gift of grace from God. And it actually extravagantly falls upon us in Jesus Christ. He has entered your life. He has made himself and his love real to you in his death and his resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins, for the bringing of peace with you and God and bringing you into the family of God so that he is your heavenly father. Romans 5, 5 says God's love has been poured out on us, run down into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We love him and his truth because he has abundantly and first loved you. And there is an extraordinary change that happens in your human relationships when you come and worship Christ and as you love him and put your faith in him because you immediately enter into the family of God. There's, a, there's, there's several pictures the Bible has just to kind of bring this home. It does talk about a family quite often, the people of God, the family of God. It's a, it's a family that you have been adopted into where there is unity, love, and mutual support in the Christian community. And boy, do you ever experience it when you go through crisis in your life. It's like it is in relief, the blessing of the unity in your life. So it's a family. Secondly, it's a body of which you are an integral part. There's many parts to the body, and there is one body. And there is a need for each of those parts. It's called a temple, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and you're being built into this spiritual home, this, this temple. You are a necessary stone. All of you are filled with the same Holy Spirit that fills this church. This is the... This is the expression and the power of that unity that God gives. And then finally, um, you are called the bride of Christ. It is the closest possible relationship in the world, family relationship. This is our relationship with the Lord Jesus. This is our union with him. So all these images reveal people who are united to each other and to God. They love each other without exception through every disagreement through every tension, through everything that would tempt us to pull apart because God loves them. And so Psalm 133 says, rejoice. Rejoice in this gift. It's God's purpose for his people. It is good. It is pleasant. It is one of the great gifts from God. And that's why David talks about two commodities. And I'll, I'll close this sermon by talking about two commodities that are precious in the Middle East as to why this gift of unity is so beneficial to us. That's why he uses these two pictures. The first picture is oil. He talks about oil. 
And that oil that he talks about is oil that is used to anoint Aaron the priest and all the other priests that would follow. And I want to tell you something about this oil. It's very, very costly. There's a recipe that's in the Bible, which I'll read it to you right now. I don't know if you want to go home and make it because it would be very expensive. Here's the recipe. There's 12 and a half pounds of myrrh, which is a very sweet sap, and that's not cheap today. There's six and a quarter pounds of sweet cane, which is very aromatic reed. And then there's six and a quarter pounds of sweet cinnamon, which you know about. And then finally, there are 12 and a half pounds of cassia, which is a bark, which is a bit like cinnamon, but stronger, a much stronger scent. And as you can imagine, it is a very pervasive, strong smell. And there is a lot of it. It's very costly. Those spices, if you were adding up, if you're a math person, 50 pounds, 50 pounds of spices. And then you mix it with oil. And David says that that costly oil, he imagines it running down Aaron's beard, you know, permeating everything. He says in verse 2, it's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's a good thing we have robes here today because it helps us to see the picture a little bit. And you have a beard too, so this is all... <laughs> We'll pour some uh, oil on Alan. Let's see it run down on his collars. Um, so unity is like oil that is gently flowing into every hair of Aaron, not just his head, but his very full beard and down onto his robes. It's a goodness of immense value that is affecting everything about Aaron, which says that that unity affects every part of our life even the unexpected places. Now, I don't know if you know this, but at our annual synod, our annual meeting that we have for the diocese, we always uh, get um, anointing oil as part of it. And it's a very nice smelling oil that I think they get it from somewhere in the Middle East. Beautiful smell. And you pick them up and you bring them back to your parish, the rectors do. Well, I did this one year and, um, and I put it in my laptop case that was just like that one that I had. And guess what? The cover was not tightened on it. <laughs> and so uh, I started smelling this unusual fragrance as I was in the airport. And you could really smell it in the airplane as well. <laughs> and I figured, oh my goodness, I discovered my bag was soaked with this oil. Um, and then by the time I, I you know, I, I I found it, it was just too late, it was just full. So, and I didn't want to throw away my bag. So for weeks afterwards, I took my laptop with the case to the office, in the car, in the church, coffee shop, and there was a sweet aroma that followed me everywhere. <laughs> and it really did affect just about every aspect of my life. Now your unity in the Lord Jesus is like that fragrant oil that I spilled. It actually affects every part of your life. It brings, it brings goodness into all of your life, your family life, your work life, your socializing, your life at church. How does this happen? Well, you see it in the unity of God's people in living together. You see it as people are praying for you, as you are praying for one another. What a gift that is, uh, which 
which I have known in a very powerful way in my life with my church family, um, they hold you accountable to what God has for you. Um, others in unity can do that in love. They help you in the depths that you face, in the darkness that you face in your life. You are helped by others who you are united with. They encourage you in the life of following the Lord Jesus to persevere, to encourage and say, you are loved by God. Do not feel as though you are separated from him. They strengthen you, your uh, fellow believers, by their testimony. I just find this an incredible thing. When I hear a testimony, and I heard Alan and Katrina's testimony last night, it is immensely encouraging because you see how God is working in their life in real ways and encourage you to, to keep going in your Christian life. And your fundamental identity, everything you do is as a child of God, as somebody who has brothers and sisters in Christ who you meet with regularly as well. That's your central identity. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan or a Toronto fan, for example. That's not your identity. It is your identity as God's child adopted by grace by the death and resurrection of Jesus, who has brothers and sisters who the same thing has happened to that we are brought in fellowship with. This is your identity. So the fragrance of unity not only affects the, the local gathering uh, and the way that you live, there is also an effect on the world around you as well. Uh, and I was helped in reading this um, psalm by the fact that it is Aaron who the oil is being poured on because priests were meant to bring people to know God, to know his forgiveness, his atonement, uh, and also to represent God to the people. Um, and in the same way, the Bible teaches us that the great purpose of our unity is that we are a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, you all are, and that we are meant to deeply bless the world in our unity by helping them to know God through Jesus, our great high priest. Um, we, our great desire is that others would know the joy of the forgiveness of sin. Uh, our desire is to welcome people into this people of God on that basis. So your unity blesses the world around you. People from outside the church are brought into that fellowship, that close fellowship of God's people. And that's why in John 17, we have that amazing prayer of Jesus that we get to listen into. We're listening into Jesus praying. And he says this, he says, I ask that they, which is all of you, may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that also they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, Jesus prays for oneness for us for the sake of the world, so it can know God. Our love for God, our obedience together, our care for one another, our love for each other makes the gospel clear to the world so that we can really know God. It's the vehicle that the gospel comes to the world. And that togetherness attracts people because it actually reflects the truth of God, who is the perfect loving unity of Father, Son, 
and Holy Spirit. It shows that in bodily form. Now, I went on uh, your website and I read what your mission is. I don't know if any of you have memorized your mission. It's a really good one. It's easy to remember that you are following Jesus into an ever deeper experience of God and his mission in the world, which is a wonderful thing. You are following Jesus into an ever deeper experience of God and his mission in the world. Um, so you are wanting the world, people outside the church, to see your togetherness and to share it. It is precious, valuable for our mission. That is a symbol. And, um, uh, and, and what, as I said, what Alan will be about is to really strengthen that unity of one another for the sake of the world, for the sake of bringing others into that fellowship and the unity. And then finally, the second picture is not only oil, it is water as well. Water, that precious commodity in the, in the Middle East. And look at verse 3. He says, David, togetherness is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Uh, raise your hand if you have been to Israel in your life before. Wow, that's really good. Now, that might be an incentive for you to take another trip, because there's some here who haven't been here. I was there 10 years ago uh, during, no, it was only five years ago, for uh, GAFCON. And we went on a tour. And one of the things we went up to was the Golan Heights, which is just at the foothills of Mount Hermon. And here you are in this very dry, it was in June, and the, the grass was green up there. And there were chairlifts. I didn't know there were chairlifts in, in, <laughs> in Israel. Um, and it was lush there. And he's saying here, um, the reason for that is that moisture collects in those heights. The dews are very heavy, and that's why there's this lushness of trees and wildflowers and green fields. David says, imagine that that heavy dew, that moisture is falling on Jerusalem, dry Jerusalem. And, um, and, and that this is where God's people are. And he says, like that dew falling very gently, um, uh, there is real growth. There is real life that comes, renewal in your life, a spiritual life for the people of God. It's very easy for us to take this precious gift for granted, but unity, we, we cannot actually grow and flourish in your Christian life without the unity of God's people. We actually need each other to grow and to be formed and transformed as God intends you to be. Um, there is a great temptation in our busy life to forget how vital to our flourishing, our togetherness as brothers and sisters in Christ is. We're pulled from that all the time. There are many pressures to neglect being involved with one another, but we cannot grow without that togetherness of Psalm 133. So he's saying embrace this togetherness, Physically place yourself under God's grace. It's not forced like rain. It is like dew that gently forms on you, and it's a blessing. Um, now, I don't know how many of you like to watch bike racing. I, I'm not, this is a weird thing to watch on TV, but there's one thing I do like to watch, and that is the Tour de France. I mean, it is incredible what happens in that race. I mean, it's so long, and people are pushed to their limits, 
And the most incredible thing is bike racing in the mountains, going up these incredibly steep slopes, really challenging. And one year, and this, this struck me, this quote, um, Chris Froome is a, Brit, is a Brit, and he's understated, which I like about this quote. And he said this, he said, there was a moment, you know, going up those mountains, when I felt this could go the other way. I am in difficulty. I am in difficulty. <laughs> understated. He says, I was on my absolute limits. I felt like I was dying a thousand deaths up that mountain. But he said, being with teammates makes it a lot more manageable. Being with teammates on, on bikes together makes it a lot more manageable and pushed him. Now, each of us, this is a helpful picture because each of you is in a race. Paul is very clear about this. You are in a race towards a destination, which is Jesus welcoming you on the judgment day. Um, but you and I cannot flourish in that race. We can't even finish the Christian race without a real togetherness. We need each other because you will face mountains, maybe you are right now, that challenge your faith, that challenge your life, that challenge the hope that you have in the Lord Jesus. But being with brothers and sisters in Christ is the way to flourish. It is the way to be refreshed. It is a way to be strengthened, to persevere, and to grow in your life in Jesus. And there's many practical ways that happens. Um, we help each other flourish as you pray for each other. And as you know, somebody's praying for you. You, are, you flourish by your example of life to each other as well. That, that is an incredible encouragement to see. When you share God's word with each other, there is your strength. You feed on that like bread, and you actually help each other do that. That's why small group um, Bible studies and groups that are focused on God's word are so important to your life, to your growth, just like rain causes growth in, a, in these fields. Uh, many times, it is just the physical presence like you are doing right now in this room that is the physical presence of other Christians is the greatest encouragement. We missed that in, uh, in COVID. It was help to see each other on screen, but the physical presence of Christians is an incredible encouragement. Um, Hebrews says it spurs us on. It really spurs us on in the faith. Okay, I'm going to end now because this has gone long, but um, this psalm ends by saying a wonderful thing. Sometimes people say, well, we don't hear about eternal life in the Old Testament. Not true. This ends by saying that as you walk in the way of unity that you've been called to, you begin to experience eternal life. Look at verse 3. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. There in unity, you experience the blessing of life forevermore. Unity has an eternal property to it, an essence that is eternal. And that's because we are beginning to experience in our unity the life of the new heaven and the new earth. And we need to think more about heaven. This is a very good thing for us to do. Because heaven and earth, uh, the new heaven and the new earth is about togetherness. Where we, are, we know God as our God, 
and we know that we are his people, and we are gathered around him in this picture of a city, a massive city. So the life of the world to come is a life of togetherness, where we know God loves us as we live that life out. In this life of unity in heaven, we are continually refreshed, the Bible says. We are always growing. We are serving one another joyfully, being loved and loving in ways that we cannot imagine. It is a precious gift, this unity that begins right now in your life here at Emmaus Church. So may God give each of you and me grace to maintain that unity now by the grace of the Lord Jesus in the power of his Holy Spirit. Don't neglect meeting one another. Seek to build one another up to the glory of Jesus who died for us to make us one in him. Amen. Okay, well, I think now would be a very good time for us to give some symbols to you of your work that you will do.